0: This is Asha Voices, I'm J.D. Gray. When a patient experiencing dizziness steps into the office of their primary care provider, the road to recovery can be both long and expensive. But audiologist Devin McCaslin is working to make that path easier and less expensive by using artificial intelligence. The implications are far-reaching, from cost savings to patient health and satisfaction. We discuss how this technology can help patients receive needed care. And we discuss some of the potential risks associated with bias in artificial intelligence. Devin will be presenting as part of the 2023 Research Symposium on Hearing at the upcoming ASHA convention. Today, he joins us on the podcast. I'm J.D. Gray. This is ASHA Voices. Support for ASHA Voices comes from the ASHA Learning Pass. Get unlimited access to ASHA's catalog of CE courses for one annual fee. Learn more at asha.org learningpass. Joining me now is Devin McCaslin. He's an audiologist and the director of audiology at University of Michigan. His research focuses on using machine learning to more efficiently connect patients with needed medical care. At the 2023 ASHA Convention's Research Symposium on Hearing, he'll be addressing what this means for patients experiencing dizziness. Devin McCaslin, welcome to ASHA Voices.
1: Oh, thanks for having me. I appreciate
0: it so we're going to be discussing the use of ai in administrative work and scheduling but let's start by looking at the human element of this conversation a patient walks into the office of their primary care physician and says they're experiencing dizziness typically what happens next
1: yeah well the challenge for the primary care physician you know they have to know everything about everything and dizziness really falls between a lot of cracks and so dizziness can come from cardiovascular issues. It can come from psychiatric issues. It can come from the ear. And so what the primary care physician really is challenged with is trying to, you know, which type of dizziness does this person have? Which subspecialist would be best suited in this instance to, you know, send them to? And so in some cases, it's more than one. And so that is the challenge that they uh, are presented with every time a dizzy patient comes in the door. And it's challenging.
0: Approximately how long would it
1: take someone to find the appropriate specialist they need? Some are easy. What you find in the U S healthcare system is that many people feel all dizziness falls under the ENT or the otolaryngology umbrella or the ear. And what we know is that's far from true. And so it can take some people, it's not uncommon to have people go years with chronic dizziness and not get to the right individual to take care of their issue.
0: Uh, On the personal level, that's a very unpleasant experience.
1: That is, yeah. You know, you may have some sort of organic issue. You may have an ear problem or you may have a cardiovascular problem. And what happens is after you're told so many times there's nothing wrong, we don't know what's wrong with you, it can even become a psychiatric issue and even develop into some of these functional disorders. And it really has, you know, it becomes a vicious cycle of them uh, starting to think that it's all in their head when in fact it's not.
0: It's dangerous as well, I would assume.
1: Absolutely yeah. in the cases of where you start to have these issues and uh, falls are involved in uh, the elderly, that can certainly be dangerous. I and mean, in some cases, uh, if you have episodic vertigo, it happens that you're driving a car or you're in an instance where uh, it's operating a vehicle or heavy machinery, uh, yeah, it can be dangerous.
0: In the description for your upcoming presentation, part of the research symposium on hearing, it reads: "Quote failures of care coordination and ineffective treatments waste more than $175 billion in the USA alone." That's an end quote.
1: No, that you know, and that is true for the dizziness aspect of healthcare. In many cases doesn't generate surgery. It used to be that before everything got broken into subspecialties, these patients would get a little better care uh, because everybody was looking at them. And so some of the classic studies were they would uh, staff these patients. So a patient would come in with dizziness and they would see a psychiatrist. They would see an ear, nose and throat doctor. They would see a cardiovascular expert. They would see a physical therapist, and all of these physicians would go through and say, "You know, this is the most likely cause of your dizziness." But then, um, you know, the health—that's not certainly very efficient in terms of, you know, the healthcare system and costly. And so now it's just trying to, you know, in many cases, take your best guess at what's causing the dizziness and hope they refer. And if it's not that person they get referred to, hope that then somebody does refer them to the right place. And a lot of times it's like migraine or, you know, all, and it can be a number of things at once. And it's each person's treating them in their own way, but nobody's really looking at the global picture of that dizzy patient. And that, that's where the challenge becomes and the issues
0: and so i understand that you're looking at how ai can be used to create greater efficiency in both the path that the patient may take through the healthcare system but also through the scheduling
1: yeah no that that's um i think that ai is is one of the most fundamental and in, in sort of things that's going to change healthcare uh significantly over the next decade because Dizziness is so complex. It comes from it has so many origins. It can be more than one or two or three things. When we've looked at our sample, there've been people up with five or six diagnoses all causing dizziness at the same time. And so, you know, that's tough for any physician to get their head around. But what we can do now is with some of these big data techniques, the system doesn't get overwhelmed, and it can provide very simplistic recommendations. Based on treatments and best outcomes, and provide a physician decision support right there about what the nature of that patient's dizziness is.
0: We're hearing a lot about AI right now. It's making headlines everywhere. How does artificial intelligence create these efficiencies?
1: It depends on what you want to use it for. And the uh, AMA, the American Medical Association, and uh, billing and coding, uh, you know, there are now. CPT codes, billing codes for AI. So this is real. This is happening now. And it depends on what you want to use the machine learning or the AI system for. Uh, In my case, uh, when I was at Mayo Clinic uh, for four years, what we did is we developed a AI system to put the patient with dizziness in front of the right provider or providers for them. So if you had migraine-induced dizziness, then we wanted to be able to, through a series of questionnaires and predictive modeling uh, that the system did, say, this person should see a neurologist. And so there was no diagnosis in it. It was looking at symptom clusters, meaning it looked at, you know, the sort of the clusters of of what the most likely uh, source of the patient's dizziness was. But what we all were trying to do is get the patient in front of the right physician, and it did very well for that. You can also use it for diagnoses. You can use it for tracking treatment and outcomes. And so uh, it depends on what you want to use it for. Our first stage was just simply get the patient in front of the right physician for their dizziness.
0: And so this was drawing from historical data, medical data from past patients? Where, Where was the artificial intelligence drawing its intelligence?
1: Yeah, right. That's a great question. What we would do is a patient would say, I'm dizzy. I want to come to Mayo Clinic and I'm dizzy. And so what we would do is we would send them a questionnaire, which was quite lengthy. Uh, we've we've made it shorter since then, but about 160 questions. And uh, what we would do is send out to the patient and would cover every aspect of their health that would potentially contribute to their dizziness. And so all those questions were then sent back in a pattern and a uh, model that we you call it a model. We had trained a model to go in and look at the different patterns in that hundred and sixty questions. And based on the pattern of questions, the system would make recommendations to the schedulers to provide them with the schedule that would best match their form of dizziness or forms of dizziness.
0: Hmm. I'm thinking about the potential bias that's been the topic of conversation a lot around artificial intelligence. Uh, how can you ensure that the care is going to be equitable and fair when using something like AI?
1: That's a great question. I think the challenge becomes in the questionnaires as they are delivered. So what we're doing is is many people that are trying to do what I am doing, the machine doesn't know it will make a decision based on what you've trained it to do. and I think where the trick becomes is devising questionnaires that are not biased towards individuals or groups of individuals. In fact, some people won't even fill out an electronic questionnaire. You know, we would have to send them in paper format sometimes. And so the way you get around the biases is really you have to work hard on the front end to develop an unbiased questionnaire. If you're using a questionnaire and then the model should just do what you've trained it to do. But I think it's the front end where you really have to control that the
0: bias. I think a lot of times when people think of using artificial intelligence, it's easy to think of it almost as a binary of like, we're going to switch to computers, or we're going to keep a human element. But you're saying it's actually about the integration of the two.
1: It really is you need to. There's so much power in it. And it's really just looking at patterns and doing what you've told it to do. And it'll learn eventually, right? You know, what will happen is it'll start to adjust based on what the outcomes are. I mean, every model that we went in, every project that we went in, it was the, the goal was the fastest time to diagnosis for dizziness. How could we get the least cost and how could we get the best outcome? So those were like the three tenants that we would approach this with. And so on the front end, it was really designed by expert opinion uh, to train the model. Now, going back in, in some of the projects we have going on now are actually engaging stakeholders. Do you know how long is the questionnaire? Do you have access to fill out the questionnaire? How are these questions framed? Do they make sense to you? It's the expertise to train models. So to train what is actually doing, the decisions it's making, needs to be the experts on our side with input from the user, which is the patient in our case.
0: A quick search for AI and bias will return many stories related to the technology that extend far beyond questionnaires like the one Devin mentioned. The Washington Post writes that ChatGPT leans liberal, and NPR recently led a headline with AI is biased political wrote about AI's political bias earlier this month. As we learn more about AI and the technology becomes more sophisticated, this area seems to be receiving greater attention. But in our conversation, I also mentioned to Devin that I'd seen literature saying that maybe AI can help to eliminate some disparities eventually.
1: Yeah, I I think that, I think there there is a lot of power in eliminating some of the disparities that you see now. I mean, there's some, been some great studies in AI. I don't know if you saw it with the, where they, <laughs> they, they the phys, they, did you like the AI physician, the explanation it gave, or did you like the real physician? And most people pick the AI physician because it was trained to give you certain feedback, show compassion, show empathy. So it will hit a certain number of boxes that you tell it to, and not everybody does that, right? So uh, yeah, I think, I think that there's a lot of, um, I think it's going to be interesting. I do.
0: Support for ASHA Voices comes from the ASHA Learning Pass. Earn ASHA CEUs and stay current with the ASHA Learning Pass by accessing ASHA's comprehensive catalog of CE courses for one convenient annual fee. Choose from more than 150 audiology-related courses. Learn more at asha.org learningpass. We've talked about the potential for artificial intelligence, for AI to help get patients in front of the right people, people who they need to see for dizziness. As a clinician, if I'm listening to this and I'm thinking, hey, if I can get some help on the administrative side, is there any chance that artificial intelligence might someday help me so I'm not having to spend as much time with
1: paperwork or coding or these issues? Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's, and that's where most of the resources are going is, I think when you talk to um, people that use electronic medical records and so what we've done is we, you know, in the front end, we said, boy, wouldn't it be great if patients could send us portal messages? You know, we have call centers, but, you know, it's eating up all this call center time and they get lost and nobody gets the messages. So let's, you know, we have an electronic portal. So let's let patients send a message whenever they want. And so what has happened, though, is you've opened up this floodgate. And now as people become more and more, you know, computer savvy, Everybody's, you know, sending messages, you know, over the internet to your provider, and it's, it's just burying our providers. And so even here at the University of Michigan, a lot of AI is being used to how can we triage and sort those messages uh, now coming from patients in a, you know, using models to say what one does the uh, physician need to see versus what one does the audiologist need to see in our case or what one does it can the nurse handle or do they just need to be scheduled to have an appointment scheduled. But yeah, that that is I, I think what you're going to see is is as we've opened up the electronic record and writing reports, you know, a lot of this this machine learning and AI is pulling in all of their diagnoses from across the system inside your system then what it can do is help you form a report and actually, you know, become a decision support system where it'll say, recommend treatments. And then like in our case, recommend, you know, what physician should they see or what provider should they see to best manager, in our case, dizziness or any other case, I guess.
0: Thinking of that patient that came into their primary care physician's office at the beginning of this conversation, and they said, I'm experiencing dizziness. Ideally, with the use of artificial intelligence, what might their path look like?
1: So a patient would come in. So let's say we've got a patient, they're dizzy from migraine and they have a uh, inner ear balance problem. And so the primary care physician doesn't know that when they come in. So patient says, I'm dizzy. And there are what we know is we know the timing of certain forms of dizziness. We know the triggers for certain forms of dizziness. We know what the symptoms look like and we know what the associated symptoms look like. And so that information is all available. Uh, but the subspecialists know it probably a little better than most primary care physicians, and you know, but they have a broader view. So what we can do is we can design models, and what we've done in this case is we have them fill out, like I say, a questionnaire and query them and pull their comorbidities and have all of that data up front before they see the primary care physician. And what we can do is use predictive modeling, like I said, uh, you know, just sort of math. To say they filled out these clusters of questions and we know 98% of the time that these patients have migraine-associated dizziness or headache-associated dizziness and an inner ear problem. And so what we would recommend is the primary care physician, you could just, you know, say some of these issues they could treat or if it's something a little more of a subspecialty issue, you would say, you know, provide this and then get a consult with uh, otolaryngology and neurology. It's a decision support mechanism. It's not taking the person out of it, but it's getting the patient facing clinician to the answer quicker.
0: And you mentioned earlier, the vestibular issues don't always result in surgery. And so if some of these patients are in front of surgeons, I understand that might have an influence on what we're talking about earlier with medical spending.
1: Well, that's right. And that is one of our biggest challenges, right? So you've got people that need surgery, ear surgery, and whether you have a vestibular schwannoma or you have something else, we want our surgeons seeing those patients as quickly as possible. And access becomes a problem. And so what happens is if we can, you know, we pulled a large group of our dizziness patients about six, seven months and found that very, very, very few of them ever resulted in a surgery, yet we're seeing our neurotologists who are most highly trained surgeons. And so the goal is how can we manage or triage those patients up front, get them great care, get them the best treatment, best outcomes, and free up access for our surgeons so that they can see their surgical cases. And so you're right. Surgical revenue drives most hospital systems and access is a big deal for them because there's so few of them. And AI can be enormously helpful and uh, routing those patients out of their clinics, but getting them to the right provider.
0: Artificial intelligence has been in the headlines everywhere. You've been working with AI for quite a long time though, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Are we on the verge of a major change or is this something like ChatGPT bringing attention to a slower tide of change? I guess what I'm asking is, you know, when will this technology actually show up in the work lives of audiologists?
1: Yeah, I think um, over the next decade, AI will fundamentally change healthcare and people know it. Google's into it, Apple's into it. They know that it is so powerful now and how it's going to be approached is right now, each subspecialty is designing their own sort of machine learning models and using AI in the way that helps them locally and for their issues. But really what will happen is there will be every healthcare system and probably the EPIC, the, which is becoming quickly the national healthcare system, um, will be one platform. What I mean by that is a patient will go in and it will be able to you know, analyze all of their comorbidities, put all of those together and recommend treatments based on profiles that exist and people just like them. It'll say, I've seen a million 67 year old people with an inner ear balance problem that has a high blood pressure, cholesterol, and diabetes. And we know that if we do this, this and this for a treatment, this will give you the best outcome. And that's powerful. And it will do the same thing for every single disorder. They will just be these enormous platforms that manage your health and uh, it doesn't get overwhelmed. And I think it'll make healthcare more efficient. I think it will, I mean, remote care will be factored into that. Why do you have to always go in? A lot of this will be done remotely from the phone. Uh, They found that the The millennials and Gen Z, they want to do healthcare remotely through their phone and they're used to that. And I think that a lot of this is all starting to converge on using these AI techniques to manage. And I just went to the pharmacist and they, you know, everything came right to my door and just did all done online, didn't have to go anywhere. And so, you know, I think the combination of all the medical care housed, all your medical care housed and using predictive modeling on it with the remote and telehealth options that are becoming available. I think that uh, it's going to, it'll decrease healthcare costs. I really do. And I think it'll be powerful for the patient.
0: Devin, thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate it.
1: Oh man, it was great. I appreciate you talking.
0: Over the next few weeks, we're going to bring you more conversations about artificial intelligence and its effects on audiology and speech-language pathology, including an interview with the other presenter at this year's Research Symposium on Hearing. Find a link to more information on the symposium on the blog post for this episode at on.esha.org podcast. Want to learn more about AI and audiology or speech-language pathology? Look to the most recent issue of the ASHA Leader Magazine. You can find it online at leader.pubs.asha.org. ASHA Voices is produced by the American Speech Language Hearing Association and comes from the team behind the ASHA Leader Magazine. Support for ASHA Voices comes from the ASHA Learning Pass. Access more than 150 audiology courses for one annual fee. Learn more at asha.org slash I'm J.D. Gray, and this is ASHA Voices.